Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast code acast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code Listen to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more. That's code Listen at BlueNile.com for fifty dollars off your purchase. BlueNile.com code Listen. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D virtual try-on. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not? Right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenny dot com quality prescription glasses starting at six ninety five. My name is Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 116 of the No Encore Music Podcast, and finally, the house that Dave Hanready built <laughs> is back and standing with all its foundations yet again. Because Craig Fitzpatrick, who just profaned over there, <laughs> blasphemy knows not uh, not repealed yet, mate. What's up? How are you? I'm back. Welcome back. F- we're all, I'm feeling good. I'm we're glad all to together be back again. It's been a while, yeah, a while since we were in I know, studio because you it's weren't been here. A while since we had studio together. We weren't here last week. Come. Yeah. Hi, Oregon. I was here. How are you? And uh, we welcome back. It's been about a year and a half since this young man from Drogheda was on the show. It is, of course, the beast from the northeast himself, <laughs> Joshua Hughes. Woo! I like the way you said, "Of course," as if anybody who probably remembers me being on the last time. But we've had so much it's a fan small, mail. but yeah, fervent <laughs> fan Why base. Why is he coming there? back on the show? Uh, I guess before we get going, we will discuss very briefly the events of last weekend. Really good Saturday, maybe the best of the year so far, because number one. Uh, Eighth Amendment got repealed by a fucking landslide. That was yeah. great. Enjoyed that a lot. I enjoyed Ronan Mullen on RT saying that he has a lot of sorrow. Good. <laughs> Don't be all <laughs> mate. Don't <laughs> fucking cretin. Is John Waters still here or is he gone? He wrote an, an article yeah, saying Yeah, the like, obituary for Ireland. Yeah. 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 Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, uh, Such a child. And I thought that day couldn't get any better. And then it did. And then Lauren Carrius came along. <laughs> Loris Carius, that poor guy. I mean, the Champions League final, uh, as I said last week on the show, it would be just it'd be great if Liverpool lost, and it was. <laughs> and I feel very bad for Loris Carius because, you, know, uh, you know, no one deserves to have that hanging over them for their entire career. Made a couple of hellers. However, 
Cullum and I were in a strange pub in Dublin. Wasn't that strange? There was no, there was no one watching the football. There was not a single jersey it's to be a found. Rugby pub. Lots of apathetic tourists, and I missed both of the clown goals in real time. However, oh. we both <laughs> saw, we both saw the Gareth Bale overhead kick, and both of us reacted with pure visceral abandon. Yeah. Just like, uh-huh, just uh-huh. Kind of stood up and shouted at each other. Like, uh-huh. we, we got up and we hugged each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, steady on, lads. Because we were as cool as Zidane, just shaking his head on yeah, the side. Yeah, doing the kind of, yeah. Because yeah. we'd seen a great thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Why the hug? The hug seems a bit over the top, like. I don't know. It was just, it was just that sort of day, Josh, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was a emotional. joyful day. We hadn't been in Dublin Castle. We needed Summer to get it out of our system in. somehow. <laughs> Uh, I felt Gareth Bale, you know, by repealing Liverpool bloom. from the European Champions League final. <laughs> Jesus uh, <laughs> I've said it again, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah, that, that referendum's coming, don't yeah, worry. Yeah. But it's also been a busy week since, because on Monday we decided to split the podcast up into a bit of a treasure hunt mm-hmm. uh, in the form of two gigs that were happening concurrently. Craig Fitzpatrick and I and Joshua Hughes all went to Vicar Street to see Mr. Tillman. It was, miss you, it was great. hotter than the sun in that venue, by the way. It was quite warm, yeah, which I was expecting. Um, and he was extremely good. Kind of, it, there wasn't much in the way of chit-chat or banter, if you were looking from, for from that kind Father of thing. Father John Misty. Yeah, yeah no. from Josh Tillman, but um, he was great. Your man was impressed? Really cool, apparently. He's a really cool guy. According <laughs> <laughs> so to Craig's mother. Yeah. So, Josh, you've seen him before. Uh, last year in Barcelona, I believe. Yes. How did this measure up? This was a lot better. Um, like to Craig's point there, that I don't. Did he say much at all? No. He said, yeah. "Here are the management selected tracks from my new album." Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> oh, that guy! What a wit! <laughs> but he was quite charming in his his actions. He sort of in the quieter moments of songs, he was sort of performing yeah. the lyrics or reacting to. Bits of lyrics, literal, yeah, he, literal dancing, like yeah, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like he yeah, stepped, was very engaged. Like it didn't seem like it was like he stepped uh, barefoot on an upturned plug. Only the upturned plug was society. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> it's exactly like that. Actually, yeah. yeah. I just, just thought <laughs> of it. Yeah. Feel free to steal. Um, <laughs> Craig turned to me at one point and said, "He's pretty cool. I don't know if he's wearing shades for the whole gig. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, How did they not I fog up? It was roasting them to come off at some point because that's a very like Lou Reed move. I don't know. I, I think he had to take them off at some point. I bumped that into that was the one stain on his character. For I, you. I, bumped, <laughs> I bumped into friend of the show and contributor to No Encore, Andrea Cleary, yeah. just beforehand, and I thought she was on all of the drugs because she was a ball of light. Yeah, so happy. Apparently, she cried through the first four songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's an emotional time for everyone involved but um, yeah no, he I enjoyed the gig uh, with Father John Misty I find myself in this strange position where I'm wondering if I'm kind of sick of it now but we're going to talk about that in depth later on in the show when yeah. we review his album that we all got legally um, uh, oh, real, yeah. real quick on Victory being so hot it reminded me of 10 years ago when I went to see The Dark Knight in Balbriggan in the cinema on the night of its release and then I went out clubbing and then after that, I had to go to work the next day for a bit of a dispute I was having with my boss. Our area manager had to come in. It was a whole thing. I was very hungover and it was very hot as well. But the point is, I had to go to Dublin that evening to see Blondie in the same venue in Vicar Street, where once again, it was hotter than the sun. And I was standing there like an absolute zombie with sweat, just reducing me to a snowman in hell as everyone around me was having a great old Did time. Did you get a shower in during this story. I don't think so. That's Oh, grim. God, yeah. That's grim. Tough times, guys. Mm. Debbie Harry would not approve. What were you doing on Monday, Colin? I was at Broken Social Scene in the Tivoli, which has a reputation for being very warm. And yeah. act- although actually wasn't quite as horrible as it has been uh, for wrestling in particular in the past. Um, Shocker. It, w- it, it was quite 
enclosed. It was pretty intense. Like, they kept saying that it had the feel of a punk rock gig. And to be fair, they responded in kind. It was a really sort of like in-your-face show. And Jesus, their band reinvigorated. Like, I mean, I first saw them 12 years ago. And they weren't exactly children back then either. But they've just got a new lease on life at this stage. And I think the fact that, you know, they've got such a good album in Forgiveness Rock record from last year, at this point in their careers, as Brother Yosef, who was there with me, pointed out, it's one of the few times that you see a band that's been around for this long. But if they just want to play a load of material from their new album, you're totally cool with it. That doesn't happen often. Hug of Thunder? Uh, Forgiveness Rock record was the album. No, Hug of Thunder was the album. Yeah, Forgiveness Rock record was the... Colmarigan's fandom exposed! sorry, (laughs) sorry, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm just getting confused now. But um, (laughs) but yeah, like, you know, that they could actually just play a ton of new material. And they did play a good bit. Were um, they all there? Was Emily Haynes there? Oh, no, no, Feist? no. No, uh, no, 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 no. I know you, you It's sh- like the Wu-Tang Clan yeah. where you're like, we'll turn <laughs> that's like, that's <laughs> what saying. It's like a really, 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 really like white yeah. middle-class yeah. Wu-Tang Clan, yeah. yeah. Emily Haynes um, is wanted by the police. She might not show. It's <laughs> No, she's not, by the but way. But no, they were great. Disclaimer. They're absolutely not that we phenomenal. Know. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and what's more, I mean, like, I think the venue really suited them as well because you could tell a lot of the fans were sort of people who'd, you know, been there for the long haul, I guess. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, it meant a lot to see them. Good to know. Good to know that that venue is being torn down soon. Yeah. So, before we move on to the news, uh, Craig, there's something you wanted to bring up. Yeah, so I was catching up on my previous episodes of No Encore, the ones I have missed, sadly. Um, and I was very much enjoying the episode with you, Colm, and um, Zara, and Mr. David Tapley. Um, until we got to the review section. <sighs> the Arctic Monkeys review. I was alerted to this by my sister, who was like, you have to listen to this. Colm did his best, but he couldn't save it. Just to foreshadow, I liked your Drake side. (laughs) (laughs) I'm upset. (laughs) This is not a rap beef, but Jesus, that's a really good album. And of course they're being ironic. How did they not get out that it was like a joke? Like, what... I'm sorry, when they started off by saying, do you know what we really want? We want them to go back to the first album and start like singing about Sheffield again. No, no one wants that. Colm, I mean, I, I, you I, did your best. Again, I said all I needed to on that show are all I wanted to anyway. Somehow I it keeps I think coming it's back album. up. I think it's tremendous. It's mixed great. Well, Zara's been given grief all over town. She has, lately, yeah. Okay, because she went on Twitter there and she said, I laugh out loud at least once a week, thinking about the time that mid-argument... At Hanready Dave, so she tagged me in here on Twitter, called me with malice, and I quote, a local scene champion. And she asked all Irish musicians to please retweet to support your local scene champion against Hanready. She got six retweets, not great. One uh, was Glenn Hansard. Um, yeah, and the other was um, Key West, I don't know. But I mean, like, ultimately, <clears throat> I stand by what I said. I was provoked into that statement, and I stand by it. All right, let's not air all of our beefs. You're let's off the show, Zara. Let's <laughs> leave it to the pros, to be fair. Oh. And uh, yeah, we're, like we were just discussing before we came on air, we're aware that we could already be behind this. Uh, by the time the show drops in like whatever 12 hours Most time definitely, yeah. because it's moving so quickly but uh push a t and drake and I, I mean okay like it started out standard enough i guess especially given that the provocation the first one was push once again going with like whole ghost writing thing and then drake came back at him and then holy shit okay hang on i'm gonna have to do uh maybe like vicariously through listening here because i don't quite know the whole story. So rather than have you guys all shout at once, I'm going to kind of round table this thing, right, okay? okay? So I want our guest, Joshua Hughes, who is very well versed in the rap and hip-hop genre to the point where he regularly calls me out for not being on his level. 
Off you go, Josh. Tell us the backstory here. Well, it's an interesting one because it actually goes back a lot further than probably a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't just start with that, um, with Pusha saying uh, it sounded like Nas, but it came from Quentin. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the beef has sort of been um, going on since 2006 when, because um, Pusha T and his brother No Malice are big friends with Pharrell. And Pharrell started the big... Is it Bape or is it Bape? You know that Yeah, that yeah. Band? I think Bape. Bape. Bape, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds about Kanye right. Kanye pronounced it Bape once, so I'm just going to ah, go with that. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Lil Wayne started wearing Bape gear. And Clips made a song called Mr. Me Too. And then obviously... Well, no, maybe not obviously. Um, Lil Wayne has this relationship with Drake. Um, so there's been sort of a back and forth over the course of over a decade now. Where... Pusha T and Drake have been sort of firing subliminals at each other. Yeah. Um, and there was the Two Birds at One Stone track from Drake last year, which has kind of been left out a lot of context of this because I think part of the reason why Pusha T has gone solo in his most recent track was because Drake had to go at Kid Cudi for over mental illness, which was obviously way out of line. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of been going on for so long, which is crazy. So last week, Push T puts out an album, and yeah, somehow manages to steal his own headlines with what happened a few days later. First of all, did we know this was coming at all? And Craig, can you give us a timeline here of events, essentially? So Daytona drops last Friday, uh, just over 20 minutes long, and the last track is very much just shots at Young Money, Birdman, Lil Wayne, and yeah, Drake mainly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Push it just kind of... Very much baiting them, as it turns out, because I think he knew... Oh, without a doubt. He was holding back. He knew Drake was going to come at him. Oh, yeah. And this was the thing. Everyone was then immediately, like, within 24 hours of this coming out, um, Drake released his own diss track back. And it was a big, you know, win for Drake because he was so quick with the turnaround. And apparently Drake's always said, I think this is a correct quote, where he's just like, he already has these tracks prepared for everyone he thinks will come at him. So he can just release them, do you know what I mean? This is just like, you know, 40 chess or whatever. Um, that comes out Duppy Freestyle, where he basically calls Pusha old and past it and says, you didn't really sell that many drugs, mate. And then he went at yay. And said, why are you calling me out about ghostwriting when I had to help out Kanye uh, writing on Pablo and stuff? Which Kanye had said in tweets at the time. Like, Kanye doesn't care about that kind of stuff. Didn't he send an invoice to Good Music or something? Yes, he did. Um, for essentially bigging up Push's name and getting him back in there. Which Push clearly wanted. I mean, he acknowledged that himself. So then it was kind of quiet in relative terms until yesterday as we're recording. Um, and it was actually you, Dave, that alerted. I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up on Wednesday morning to um, an image of Drake in blackface. Um, pitchfork story that I had sent which into is, the WhatsApp. Group. Yeah, which yeah. is the single artwork to Push's response, um, which is the story of Adidon, and it's insane. Call him how insane is it? It's unreal it's I, I i mean again like much like drake though he, he definitely had this planned oh, I, like, I, I saw a clip from trevor noah last night just going like robert Mueller wants fucking push a t on his investigations board here like because he's clearly been digging up dirt for months here he's got an arson wenger style dossier that he's been yeah. consulting just ready like i don't think by the way it's a fluke that all these like shots at drake were immediately after a song called what would meek do um, yeah. Like, he learned the lessons that Drake's going to come at him. And so, yeah, it... I mean, yeah, okay, so... Let me ask, has he gone too far? No. 
I mean, it's I mean, a rap feud. It's yeah, old school. It, yeah, this is the thing. It's it is, it is a rap feud, you know. And I mean, like as well, you know, in 2018, we're all like, "Has he gone too far?" And it's like. Well, they haven't shot anyone. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah, my it's fav- okay so My favourite thing from the reaction was someone on Twitter being like, and um, Pusha T apparently used that photo of Drake without getting the copyright consent <laughs> yeah. of the photographer. <laughs> and the first comment under Heat was just like, this dude used to traffic cocaine. He doesn't care. Like, Okay, let's have a let's have a mini song exploder on this track. Cullen, yeah. take it away. Yeah, okay, so like, I mean, the, the headline news, I guess, is all about uh, Drake's uh, secret child. Um, that was you, a big reveal. Yeah, we should yeah. mention that. <laughs> um, his name apparently is Adonis, uh, a love child with a French porn star. Apparently, who's never been uh, acknowledged basically publicly by Drake. Uh, it's also basically explained that because Drake's father left, that's why he's being a terrible father. Because his mother never got a ring on it, so to speak, that's why he's not marrying anybody. Um, it, like it gets personal, like uh, forty. He uh, oh fuck, that's me. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, forty is multiple sclerosis, and so like talks about how like forty he's bent, gonna he bent dice. over like he's eighty. Yeah, he's that's sick. Again, he's sick, going, yeah. sick. How long is he gonna hang around? Tick, 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 tick. Using the six, six, six against Drake. How is that okay? Just like eleven D Buckaroo, like. So, okay, well, I mean, go listen to the track, which, of course, is set to Jay-Z's The Story of OJ, which I presume... Which again, is another dig. It's all about Drake's insecurity about being biracial and stuff. It's re- oh, mm-hmm. so Before we get to Drake's response, uh, real quick, you three guys, <laughs> yeah. what do you Fair think... Enough. I mean, like, 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 as a pure objective point of view, that track, how big of a demolition job is this? Because I, I don't think Drake... I don't know what Drake's move... Well, Drake's move today was to uh, release um, a statement on Instagram, which Firmly is an immediate loss in a rap note, battle. Screenshot it, yeah. yeah. Um, like as imagine well, if Biggie had a, like put out a press release <laughs> instead of coming back with a His track. statement, by the way, did basically say that years ago when he was acting, yes, yeah. the blackface thing was essentially meant to be part of an art project that spoke to the struggles of uh, people like himself and his friend and so on and so forth. It basically was like, you know, yeah, I was in blackface, but context, mate. Yeah. Um, it's a whole debate. I mean, it's a, you know, for Also, the, also Push was on Breakfast Club yesterday and he was like, I've got more. I'm not holding back Oh, this, this is Summer the of thing. Truth. The, this yeah, is he's going to deal in truths all summer long. Yeah. That's when you knew it was on. That's, Drake should have seen that quote. Surgical like, Summer I'm Volume 1. <laughs> yeah. Because if, if it's actually true... Take the L. Like, if the stuff that, that, that Pusha alleges is actually true, Drake should have really been like... Do you know what? I might leave this one. Yeah. And the, th- the thing is, like, Push has really got nothing to lose. I mean, he comes from that kind of culture, whereas Drake, he can only really go so far because he is a pop star as well. So he risks alienating his own fan base if he goes too hard. If he, he can't come at Ye either because Pusha kind of specifically says, why are you going at Kanye? I want all of the curses, blah, blah, blah. So if he goes at Ye again, it'll seem like he's got nothing on Pusha. I don't know what his move is here. Now, and maybe by the time this comes out, he'll have done something genius, but I'm loving it all. And That's as great. well, you've got both Ye and Drake promising albums coming in the next oh, yeah. month. Supposedly, the Kanye West album will be out by the next podcast. Now, people are listening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. don't know. There's a listening party is tonight. Is that his or his? His album? Yeah. yeah so and, and, and then and next week, Tim album and Cody. Oh, I thought it was the Cody was the first one. Okay. And then Nas. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. It's all going on. It's all going on. <laughs> okay, I guess, well then, to wrap up, I mean, like... Can I say one final thing, right? Just because, like we said, sure. we, we were afraid of falling behind this. On so, this. like, up until about half an hour ago, I was just keeping an eye on what, like, Pusha said during a morning interview in L.A., what is it with breakfast shows for this shit, man? <laughs> oh my god, Who's getting like the first worst thing place. in the morning? For in like the morning. <laughs> Most important meal of the day, you know. 8am, Pusha T just like dropping tracks about illegitimate children and stuff. It's like, at least get a bit of food, Tanya, first. Did, did right? you hear Kanye on like Ebro? 
a couple of months ago, I think mm. it was, where he just rang up and just kept saying, I just want to say I love you. I love you, man. And he like Ero kept trying to ask him questions. He's just like, I love you. I, I think that's a rollover <laughs> from the started, night before, mate. Yeah, and then he started singing Stevie Wonders. I just called to say I love you. So oh. I guess, I mean, uh, summarizing this one, Advantage Pusher? Oh, for right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Advantage. Yeah. Should and be over. Are you guys all team push or what's the story here? Anyone anyone going to fight Drake's corner? I much prefer push Much like when I watch UFC, I just want to see a damn good fight. Yeah. Man. I want to see blood get I spilled. I like Drake, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Drake fan, as you, as you all know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel kind of bad for him in a lot of ways I feel really bad for 40. That was... That was horrific. And yeah, one of the worst things about when, when we talk about has it gone too far or not, like, whatever about Drake or Push It, the amount of collateral damage, they're not just, like, a, kind of going at each other. There's this poor woman, this poor child... Yeah. Um, ...is never going to live this down. The poor Adidas collaboration. Oh, this is... Oh, we didn't even get into it. We didn't even get into it. This get is into the it. best. He's so, bodied his entire so empire. apparently Drake was then planning to reveal that he had a son as part of his Adidas line rollout because the, it was called <laughs> Adidon, yeah, which is is like a partial partial tribute to his son's Part-a-don name. Part Adidas. And now when you search Adidon on Google, it just comes up to the picture of him in blackface. He's completely destroyed everything. Pushes a genius. If the plan was to reveal yeah. the child as part of his Adidas oh, campaign, no, I'm yeah, kind of glad. Yeah, 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 kind of. I'm yeah, very glad the push yeah. ended this campaign. Yeah, a lesson. Allegedly. a lesson has been taught here. <laughs> well, I mean, like we say, it's so excited. It has no doubt escalated by now I can't wait to hear what Drake comes up with it in terms of a response because I just don't think he has it in him like, it needs I, to be like Ether by Nas level comeback <laughs> yeah. like it needs to be one for the ages like okay and now uh, four cis white men are going to discuss a song which has uh, caused a lot of controversy amongst women particularly in the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. this is of course Girls a song by Rita Ora featuring Bebe Orexa Cardi B and Charlie XCX, who we're fond of on the show. So the song, I think it's been for a couple of weeks now, I believe. Yeah, and it's essentially... It's dreadful. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's really it's bad. stunningly bad. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe how bad it was. It's really bad. Well, we have a quick listen. And there it was. That was a quick listen. That was a quick listen. I mean, it's not good. Uh, yeah. But essentially, it's caused a much bigger problem than anyone could have possibly foreseen, or at least these four writers in question have seen, because numerous musicians have come out and said that it's wildly offensive to, you know, the LGBTQ community, because essentially they believe that it dilutes genuine feelings and lifestyle and, you know, just like how you are and how you choose to live your life. Uh, it kind of reduces it to a cheap thrill. Mm. Uh, I guess this is the kind of uh, avalanche backlash that might have faced Katy Perry 10 years it's ago. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it was, she yes. got away with it. I, not only got away with it, I mean, she just went super over with it. And do you know why, lads? Because 10 years on, it's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, no, I'm I think... joking. Yeah. <laughs> just to add that. I, I, I think, like, one of the big differences, obviously, uh, from 10 years ago, is Twitter. And you can see both the positives and negatives of that coming up at times here. Um, Rita Ora, in, in the aftermath, um, released a statement saying that she's had relationships with both men and women. And some people are 
you know, upset, and rightly so, if it is the case, that she has basically been bullied into coming out, essentially, by some of this criticism. Um, again, a, a byproduct of what happens when perhaps you kind of act quickly and then think later, right? Yeah. Um, Charlie XCX has come out and said, she, you know, she's proud of what the song means to her friend. or And she's explained, yeah, that I know from when Rita invited me to be part of the song, the song was about a specific experience that she had with a woman. So it isn't about that cheap thrill at all. And um, though on the surface it might have seemed like that without the context and everything around it. So, yeah, I mean, people are very quick to just jump on stuff, as you're saying now. Um, it is this kind of climate of, I don't know. People wanting to immediately shut down anything that they feel bristles with them the wrong way. And yes, if this was just a cheap trail, and I can totally see the argument, but uh, maybe try and get the full facts beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a right mess that there's had to be so many explanations. And as you say, Frida Ora to have to maybe do something she wasn't quite happy doing. Although I suppose if you put a song out like that, you're going to get questions about. Seems it. Seems like a so, strange move if it's yeah, something it that you're trying to hide. Yeah. 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 But like one, one of the worst things about it, yeah, is that like because there's so many people involved, we've kind of had to wait weeks to collect all the reactions. Yeah. It's like really, or like got out in front of it in like a day. Then like Cardi B shortly afterwards. Then I think Beverex took a few days. Charlie XCX didn't talk to anybody because she's been touring with Taylor Swift until she sat down at Rolling Stone before a gig there, like just the other day. Kalani and uh, Haley Kiyoko. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so. just the online reactions. I'm talking about the people re- involved in the oh, song. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah like course, the actual yeah. clarifations from the artists involved because there were so Charlie many. Charlie XCX in particular, I feel strange to me to come under fire because she's done an awful lot of work for the LGBTQ community, particularly, but like almost exclusively working with yeah, members she's of that very community on that her community. on her albums and like representing them uh, quite strongly in, in the world of pop music and also doing so with tremendous work as well. So you would think, for, even from the outside, that noting her involvement, that everything was done, you know, with the best kind of intentions and stuff. There you um, go, yeah. yeah. And frankly, that she might know better in some cases, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of noise. I mean, I think the people involved who have taken offence and express themselves very eloquently as to why absolutely have valid cases and should have their voices heard. But of course, also, all of this is mixed up in the, the white noise avalanche of kind of stan culture and cancel cult, uh, culture yeah. and all that kind of stuff where it can be hard for some people to kind of see in between. And we talked about it even last week on the show, we were like, if someone fucks up at all now, it's like, game over, bye! Yeah. In such a vicious way, so... Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, especially, like, for instance, there's, like, a couple of these statements uh, people were making were, like, you know, like, I mean, like, I know some of these girls involved, and, like, I know they wouldn't have any harm but... And it's like, well, if you know them, like, give them a ring. <laughs> but instead, it's just like, hand me the phone, I'm going at them! Well, look, I hope yeah. we don't lose sight of the moral of the story here, which is that it's a terrible song. That, that's the <laughs> real yeah, crime yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, it's the fact yeah. that this song a lot of day to begin with. Dreadful yeah, I mean, like, how pissed off would you be, like, if you're a Charlie XCX fan, and a member of the LGBT community and you're like, you know, oh yeah, like, you know, she had that like fun boppy boys song. Maybe we can get the equivalent. Oh no, no, we can't. <laughs> I think if Charlie XX was the lead artist here and not Rita Ora. Mm, who, we might be looking at something you know, No disrespect to Rita Ora, but not very, very good at what she does. Mm. Craig Fitzpatrick is going to take us to a new seg- a segment of the Geography Corner of No Encore. Yeah, Censorship Corner. <laughs> Lots of fun here. Yeah, YouTube That's is trying to... The amount of controversies <laughs> you've managed to like dig out I for know. this episode. I know. YouTube is trying to cancel my favourite subgenre of trap. Uh, drill music. <laughs> <laughs> Drill music, we're all familiar, right? How, how do you feel about that? Are you okay? You okay? Yeah, I, I, like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get it's through what it. It's what we missed but... the show last week. <laughs> just personally attacked. Devastation. Uh, YouTube has removed 30 music videos for gestures of violence. Um, and drill musicians everywhere are not pleased. Over 5,000 uh, at the time of going to print have signed a 
petition to stop YouTube from banning these videos. Uh, YouTube removed them, um, f- you know, videos from this genre after British police blamed them for inciting murder and violent crime. So it was um, clearly YouTube saw it as a legal matter. Yeah. Um, YouTube are currently trying to remove Raheem Sterling's right leg. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've seen lately in the media, that being the sports media, of course, just the prolonged campaign of <laughs> outright and abject and horrific racism towards Raheem Sterling. I mean, like we have to take stock of this, and there's a, a kind of an addendum to the story that we're going to get to about Spotify in a moment. But like, it does seem to be a particular type of person being targeted here in pretty much every instance. You would think that Chrisinda Dick, the commissioner of London's <laughs> Metropolitan Police Service, would not get the fuck not off YouTube <laughs> and actually go out and do her job, which is solving the problems of community yeah. that lead see, to violence. I was going to say, what's more, what's more, like, not even that go that far. Like, she's saying they say what they're going to do to each other and specifically what they're going to do to who. Surely this makes That's her job great. a piece of piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She sits at her desk and just goes, yeah, they're on their way to Charing Cross and they're going to find so-and-so. <laughs> they said five o'clock boys. outside the Cafe Nero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah Dick added, um, extreme violence against women is often talked about. Most particularly in London, we have gangs who make drill videos and in those videos, they taunt each other. They say what they're going to do to each other and specifically what they're going to do to who. Yeah, so it's just a bit like... Sounds like a wrestling promo. Drill videos. Yeah, Yeah, they flag 50 to 60 music videos. Um, The police are claiming that it helps spark violence in the UK. Um, which is obviously dealing with a big problem with kind of knife crime at the moment. So yeah. People are kind of in hysterics, including the police, which is always helpful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But plus as well, I mean, like, there's so much hysteria about, like, you know, whether it's kind of like online radicalization and stuff like that, you know, or even like the, the whole incel thing from a few weeks ago there in Canada. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, you know, it's so easy now to go like, oh, influencing people online and you instantly have this kind of firestorm of like, oh dear, yeah. better fix that. <laughs> I mean, ultimately though, Josh hit the nail on the head. It, it's trying, it like, it's not the cause and effect that we're actually looking at here. This is just like a complete straw man to avoid well, having to do their real job. A YouTube spokesperson uh, said to Rolling Stone, they have a dedicated process for the police to flag videos directly to our teams because we often need specialist contacts from law enforcement to identify real-life threats. So there you go. That's why Chris Enderdick is sitting in front of YouTube <laughs> for eight hours a day. <laughs> Presumably watching, like, you know, fucking, like, I don't know, what's a famous YouTube show? I don't watch YouTube. Show? Uh, uh, Logan Paul? I don't know. Oh, that guy? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Arrest him, please. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh... What else is happening on your beat, Craig? Oh, Spotify are going to restore Triple X Tentacion songs to their playlist after Sorry, Outcry. I, I, I told think, you. I think you'll find his name is Extension. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's XXX Tension, isn't it? His name is Extension. <laughs> That's what I've been calling him up to this point, and I will continue to. But did you not see the A and the C? I'm not willing to go to bat for this guy. He's <laughs> no. I was going to say somehow his con- career continues to flourish despite the <laughs> insanity of what apparently he's been up to. Okay, I well, haven't been following uh, Josh. Can you yeah. give us a background on um, House Extension over here, please, or whatever his name is? Extension <laughs> <laughs> Triple X Tentacion. Okay. Um, Sorry, I didn't do this Spanish flour- flourish here. So he has, like, a laundry list of crimes, the, the worst of which are uh, an ex-girlfriend of his, who he apparently used to beat on a quite regular basis and, like, essentially kidnapped. Yeah, it was horrific stuff that was outlined in a few online reports. Um, it seemed like she really went through the mill and just... I remember reading at the time and just being like, and this guy is going nowhere with his career after doing something like this. And yeah, he's been not only like getting huge plays and like having great success, but 
critical kind of acclaim as well? I don't know. And again, Stan culture. You know, lots yeah. of people on Twitter being like, no, no, he's great. I think did he drop a track with one of the Jenners like a week after one of those reports came out and you were just like, are there two just parallel worlds <laughs> here that have no communication whatsoever? Well, Spotify jumped in and were like, let's get him off uh, our playlists. I think they didn't remove him fully from the service. Is that correct? Yeah, it wasn't just him. It was like Savor, Kelly um, and Tay-K. They had their songs removed from, yeah, promoted playlists from the service. So you could go and find their music, but Spotify made the kind of decision not to promote them, which is kind of fair dues, right? Sure. However, a bit of a sweeping generalization going on. Yeah, in terms slippery of slope. Profiling, you, you might call it. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I know, Josh, you, yeah. were, you, were, you were irked by uh, some other uh, less black musicians <laughs> who did not. Um, yeah, removed, who have also very done true. very bad things yes. and yet have yeah, not yeah. fallen fell. Oh, yeah, but at the, like, I mean, forget about it. Like, we think Crescinda Dick and her YouTube job <laughs> take, is going to take time. Could you imagine the poor intern in Spotify who's been told, pick out the lads with troublesome pasts? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be left with the wiggles only. <laughs> like, I delete the service. Yeah, I just, I had this image earlier of like, there's just a Hunger Games scenario in the end where it's just Ed Sheeran and Enya sitting across from each other at Spotify's boardroom. And it's just like, you're the only two who've survived the call. Did you know that Ed Sheeran won an award today? No. Do you know what it was? Honestly. An Ivor Novello. Really? Yes. The big one? He won the big one. Huh. Big one. For what? The Shape of You, songwriting or Music? something. Music? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nicest lad, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah nicest boy, yeah. So, yeah, essentially, boy. there's some hypocrisy at foot here, essentially, is what we're saying. Yeah. I think this kind of brings up the... Qu- like, it sort of ties into the Drake and Pusha T thing as well, where you kind of go, you know, morally, where do we stand on this and how far is too far? Um... And how much should people's art be associated with their with their character? Yeah. Um, and does that mean just because, you know, Triple X Tentacion is a bad person, does that mean his music's now off limits? Because again, we talk about Spotify, you know, and the trouble that they would have applying this kind of rule to playlists. If we all applied this rule to the art across all spectrums, TV, movies, that we consume, you wouldn't really watch, listen to, or no. read, or... Well, yeah, and you've got, like, this worrying sort of judge, jury, and executioner power given to Spotify in this situation as well, where it's just like, well, what do they deem to be this particularly bad conduct? And, you know, is it is it just going to be the court of public opinion that yeah. we just vote on who has the worst record, you know? And they also get to control, like, a lot of the kind of... Uh, Kind of public discourse around music because yeah, a, a playlist like Rap Caviar has nine yeah. million followers or something like that. So it's such yeah. a big deal to be either in or out of that. And the fact that they get to make those decisions, you know, it's a very slippery slope. Perhaps it's one of the reasons why, why Kendrick Lamar apparently allegedly was think so. threatening to pull his music from the service. Uh, perhaps there was a wider point that he was making, but he's, yeah, he's also be showing his support for Triple X, which is extension, it's extension. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Kendrick. Yeah, it's you know every like every now and then the mask slips with people. That's just awesome. what happens, you awesome. know. But we'll move on. Uh, it's been it's been a very serious news section. I was about to say, yeah, let's let's please lighten it if up. If you're still slightly. listening, if you're still listening, thanks. Well done. <laughs> uh, I've written the headline here of busking weirdness corner because buskers uh, who entertain the public will now be paid by contactless card in the yeah. first game of its kind no, in, they won't. in the world. <laughs> uh, busk in London, a mayor of London initiative, so drill musicians need not apply, presumably, yeah. uh, has partnered with a technology company to hand performers readers that allow them to set a fixed amount of money to donate and accept contactless payments from passers-by. 
Uh, I wonder if this will uh, be something like a visa contactless contact trail list. around Dublin. Yeah. Um, so I love frozen yogurt. Who knows? Visa contactless. It's gonna gonna bleep that one out. Uh, <laughs> so this project will allow street musicians across London to accept payments via cash, contactless cards, wearable technology, and chip and pin. Every time I see the phrase wearable technology, I think of the game Watch Dogs or something <laughs> ridiculous like wearable technology. Yeah. The New England jersey is wearable technology. I think this Raheem Sterling can be destroyed by the media with wearable technology. Personally, I think this makes perfect sense. I wonder if they uh, accept Oyster cards. <laughs> That's my, that genuinely, genuinely, yeah. that's the main thing that I take out of my pocket when I'm in London. I, I leave my wallet zipped up. Well, my Nicky Wire. card goes in and out all day. Nicky Wire of the Manchester Beaches, who previously we mentioned on the show, has recently ranted about the cash free society, will presumably be out in force protesting this. <laughs> I want I want copper coins and old notes, please, right, on me. Yeah. Uh, as someone who generally despises the very concept of buskers and busking, uh, this won't change my approach to how I interact with buskers anyway, so... Fair, yeah. I, and look, like it, it won't for most people it either. It seems like an unnecessarily complicated thing. No, you know? it, well, it seems... I don't know. It's just I think happening. it seems very easy, really. Yeah. It, it is literally contactless payment. I mean, it, you know, it's probably easier than actually trying to aim to throw money into the bag. Well, launching the scheme, uh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, said, London is a powerhouse of music, having produced artists from Adele to Stormzy and the XX to Dua Lipa. That's the four artists that they produce. For London to maintain its status as a global capital of music, it's vitally important that we support the stars of tomorrow. Yeah, the next Chaz and Dave. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, as a way of kind of like putting down a marker, uh, Passenger is launching it. Yeah, that's right, Passenger. So, uh, who... The stars of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to play a snippet from a Passenger song, which I'm going to do now. I wish I'd something clever to say And I wish I'd something better I could be We touched hands by the coffee machine the other day So yeah. <laughs> so essentially, right, that song that we just heard there has some very questionable lyrics. It's very stalkery. It's unbelievable, right? Because this yeah. guy hit it big a few years ago, and this song was out before that. It's called Walk You Home, and in America it was called Night Vision Binoculars. <laughs> and it's got, like, weird lines of dialogue, like, you know, like him, like, following a girl home, and, you know, yeah. I'm the one who watches you sleep at night. Uh, you know, yeah. like, uh, I, I, I'm the boy with uh, restraining orders. I'm the boy with social disorders. Yeah. And it's all set to this jaunty... Subversive, mate. Isn't he cute? Isn't he cute? I would say, send the man straight to jail... Do not pass go. Do not get him, give him on Spotify. Do not pay him. Uh, do not pay him for busking be, via the method of card or cash. Yeah. But yeah, isn't that weird? No it one is. talks about it. No one talks about that song. Well, I suppose it's just kind of been buried in the dust heap of history, really. Okay. Yeah. Well, but look, thank you for digging it up. From one outspoken troubadour to another, <laughs> it's time to review the fourth album by Young Father John Misty. The yeah, album's called God's Favorite Customer, and it sounds like this.
So that really lightened the mood, didn't it? I tried to pick the most upbeat, jaunty one. No? <laughs> That's disappointing. Diamonds are the rarest of them all. This is a 10-track record. Uh, we've previously talked about Father John Misty in depth in the show when he released Pure Comedy about a year and a half ago now. Or a year ago? bit over a year ago. bit a year ago. Yeah, just over a year. It was April and last year. And I was a bit of a cheerleader for that record. I remember you two guys were less enamoured than me. I came late to the Father John Misty train and party, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, a while ago. Party on a train. Party on a train, yeah. Okay. And essentially, I really got into it, and I really committed to Pure Comedy even if it's got a couple of duds, the memo being one of them, which I think he played the other night, and I was just like, this song just doesn't work, it's too obnoxious. However, I find myself in this strange position now with him where I'm wondering if the joke has gotten old for me, or maybe, I think he's maybe just ran out of stuff to say. This album, which is 10 tracks long, I mean, some people are saying it's a return to form. Some people are saying, oh, he's back to, you know, the the incisive razor sharp stuff again. I mean, I don't know if he's treading any new ground here, and I'm still not entirely sure after the gig, and even now with this album, where I fully stand on him. I I found this one a struggle to really grasp my attention. This is kind of exactly what I wanted in terms of like the approach, not like his, his marriage possibly being on the rocks. But after Pure Comedy, I thought he needed to hone in more on his own personal experiences. I think thought he needed a bit more spike, a bit more kind of... I don't know, up, upping of the tempo. I mean, pure comedy, the highs are spectacular and I don't think they're replicated here, but it was so long, it felt very ponderous at times. It felt very didactic, like he's just, you know, some... I don't know. At its worst moments, it was, I'm a philosophy student and I've just had the biggest revelation that no one's ever had before and I'm going to tell everybody. Um, but the highlights were amazing. But this is... Uh, it's acidic he's in a really low place i think it was recorded the events of the album happened a long time ago prior to pure comedy i believe or certainly before it was released um and it's been kind of in the can for a while so he seems to be over those issues but it's essentially these i think six weeks he spent living in a hotel going through he said his, his world or his life blew up it seems quite clearly to be stuff to do with his marriage um and he was totally in the doldrums it kind of reminds me of like you know a period in the 70s the last weekend john lennon had where he was just getting out of his face with harry nilsson um really isolated it's a throwback to the, that 70s i'm at the end of my tether thing um and I think it's kind of it, I think it's kind of great. I mean the highs aren't quite there with his previous stuff but it's concise. He does I think have so, stuff to say and some of the tunes are great. I think in particular when you talk about the fact that the highs aren't there that's one of the things that I kind of took away from this like yeah. there's no um Hollywood forever cemetery sings or mm. um songs like that that you're really coming away from going oh like that's you know that's brilliant. I think the closest is like Mr. Tillman, which is kind of one of the probably relatively lightest songs yeah. on the record. Um, Hang Out the Gallows is is relatively up-tempo as well. Um, I think the biggest problem with the record is that it kind of, it really gets grim about halfway through. <laughs> um, Please Don't Die is, is a tough listen, as is The Palace for that matter. Um, and he sort of, it just seems to kind of lose its way down a stretch. Um, it doesn't seem to have like you can sort of get the story from the start of it like the, the Mr. Tillman story of, of him being in this hotel and sounding like he's out of his face and you can sort of get themes to it and then he just seems to go and wallow in his own depression for five songs and it's these kind of piano driven sort of tough to listen to tracks where it's like I don't really see myself revisiting them very often I can okay. see myself listening to just enough of them to try or 
um, disappointing diamonds um, again but stuff like the palace please don't die uh, the songwriter yeah. you know they're not maybe they'll be rewarded by more listening because it is still obviously a very new record yeah uh, another thing though like going back to the start when Dave said he wasn't sure where he stands on Father John Misty right now I think the, one of the biggest problems is that with this record you don't know where you stand with him because the Father John Misty character obviously for the past few years has been this avant-garde sort of unpredictable you know weird in the media weird on stage weird on record you know it keeps you guessing so on so forth um funny lyricist um very good composer obviously although that's not quite the character so to speak on this album around halfway through it becomes fundamentally clear that father john misty can't handle the weight of joshua tillman's real life here and he's completely unable to write in a Father John Misty way about the very, very heavy stuff that he's going through. And so it ends up being like a fairly standard singer-songwritery confessional reflection on love and breakup and so on and so forth. But it does leave you in this strange no-man's land, basically, I think where his ability, and it's a weakness, I think, that he's had for a while, that his ability to sort of look inwards without sort of, you know, betraying the entire character and the entire thing that makes a Father John Misty record or song, he just doesn't have it. There's so, sorry. I was going to say, I think, Colm kind of nailed it on the head. Colm, sorry. <laughs> nailed it on the head. Jesus. Um, it's missing the charm of his earlier work, yeah. is, is particularly like, because a lot of his earlier work is quite, you know, deals with themes very similar to this, but yeah. there's a there's a chart. I'm a decent person, little aimless. That's kind of yeah. That's another big issue with this is that when it gets really dark and depressing, it's hard to summon the sympathy because without the charm, he just seems like a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like and the parts where you should be going, I do feel sorry for this guy. Now you're kind of like, uh, maybe he deserves it. There's even there's <laughs> even a part where like you know he mentions that he texts his wife and says, "I'm ready to come home now," and like just like. I didn't get the sense of, oh, this is a joyous union moment. It's him going, yeah, I'm ready to stop being, like, whatever the fuck I'm being. And, like, you know, I'm ready for you to be happy to take me back or something. I thought that, yeah, that was really interesting, like, closing the album so differently to the end of Pure Comedy, where it's just like, we're all in this together. And it feels like he's gone through a journey, but he's come out just being like, you know, peace, love and harmony. With this, it's like he's gone through a lot of shit and he's just like... It's like he's staggering away from a car crash, and he's like alone. He survived, but he still doesn't quite know where he's going. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, I, and like when you were talking about the philosophy student element of pure comedy, which I very much agree with you that it was kind of repetitive at times and didactic and so on and so forth. But like, you know, like there are two sort of elements of profundity here, which is either you know the ha ha funny clown is actually sad inside. <laughs> and like that's a pretty well worn trope at this stage, you know, <laughs> or the guy who thought he knew everything has learned otherwise and again you're just like we've heard that before right well, this is the this is the overall problem with father john misty in general i think and i mean okay at the gig the other night, i was struck by something i was very much enjoying um kind of living vicariously through josh who was kind of belting the songs out and craig's sister martha who was having the fucking time of her life as well and i was very much and i enjoyed the gig i did i thought, I thought it was a great performance um there was moments here and there where he would have me and then he would lose me and I think it's just, like, I found myself going, and, like, maybe this is, like, a really horrendous criticism of someone, of anyone, but, like, there are certain acts where I'm, like, oh, man, I mean, like, 
if if this was your career and you you had you got to this level and you get to play in front of people every night, big crowds, whatever, devoted fans, festival audiences, whatever the fuck it is, but these are your songs, <laughs> and these are your songs forever. I think I'd be like, actually, I don't think I want to play these songs over and over and over and over again. I, I like I I don't know how he's not sick to death of it because I'm like, it's like seeing a comedian. And then having a great time at the set, like a Stuart Lee or something. Yeah. And then I like, buying the DVD. But if you watch it like four times, you're like, well, you know, it's just not funny anymore because I, I've, I've, I've lived it already and so has he. And then you add on top of this the kind of the alienation factor of like, uh, is any of this real? And I don't necessarily need, I've, I've nothing against people having personas and like going into them. I would imagine that most people do that. Nonetheless... There's the sense that there's a lack of communication and a lack of trust between him and the listener. Did and you I, feel like about this this album like that that you were kind of questioning the authenticity? Because I thought this was him at his most like. I mean, I yeah. thought part of the problem was what Colm Colm was saying was that like he's slipping back into his you know Jay Tillman solo stuff where he's just talking about his life and the character can't really it does it's not compatible with the the tales he wanted to tell here. I feel the character. If you're writing, if you're writing this character in a series of novels, I I wouldn't write another novel. I think I think you've taken the character as far as the character's probably going to go. Uh, and as for Joshua Tillman, the songwriter, and Joshua Tillman, the human being, I mean, it's not that I didn't believe him, and he does an excellent job here of world building and building that world to be like kind of a small confined space. And I could see, I could see the fucking the color of the carpet that he was probably like stepping onto every morning. Like, the, like those little details are cool. And he's he's like he's a very strong writer, but ultimately. I just it just feels like there's no real weight to any of this, and I wish there was, but I I I didn't connect to. It. I can admire the songwriting, but I don't know. He's like Don Draper, and this is like season four of Mad Men, <laughs> where it's just like kind of the same thing over and over again. And to your point, like, is this Father John jumping the shark? Basically, then is it? Maybe like I, I'm, I'm. It sounds like I'm really down the album. I, I thought it, I think it's a good album overall, but like in a world of No Sevens, I think it's a six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what a reference! <laughs> you may recall that we once had a month of no sevens, and it was Josh who gave us the idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's a good barometer because it's like you kind of go your instincts be like, oh, it's a seven, but it seems like, like you know seven is just mediocre. And if someone forced you to rate it, you know it is a six. It's definitely not an eight. Like, yeah. um, and I don't know I don't know about jump the shark, but I think it'll be very interesting to see where where he goes next. And it's surprising to me that he came out with this record so like. I, as Craig said, it was in the can for a while. That this came out so quickly after um, Pure Comedy, when he he's just been on the road since. Like when I saw I saw him in November, and he was on the previous tour, yeah. the previous world tour in in Spain. Like so, and what's more, like when Pure Comedy, I mean, as well as its length, it did just have this sort of grandiose, like lush strings and this sort of like orchestration and this musicality to it to go with his own theatricality that sort of you know meant that it was always going to be sort of arresting whereas some of these arrangements are just a bit haphazard now i mean i think that's quite intentional given that this is you know sort of be like the musings of one man alone in a room or whatever but it does again mean that you know without sort of some of the bells and whistles so to speak the material at the core really really has to stand up here I'm not convinced it always does. Yeah, well, I, I did actually think sonically the streamlining kind of worked because I, I like I love the periods he's he's tapping into whether it's like there's a lot of very Beatlesy stuff here like George Harrison spiky guitars and again the Lennon solo stuff, um you know the double track vocals, um 
so I, I kind of love a lot of that stuff. There's glammy bits as well. I mean, he talked about it being like 10 junes, kind of sprightly BPMs. It's not quite that, as Josh said. It does start kind of just wallowing back into piano stuff in the middle. But when there's a bit of fire in his belly, I think it really works. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think... Where does he go with the character from here is the big question. He sounds tired. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm tired of listening to him. And I mean, uh-huh. I still like him and I'm still like, yeah, cool, man. But at the same time, I just feel like he's kind of punched himself out. I don't know what else there is to say. I don't know what else there is to say in this review. I mean, it's Give just, us a number then. In a world of sevens, it's a six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even with sevens in the world, it's a six for me. I'd give it a 7.5 or an 8, maybe. Because, like, I think the, the music eight, is... really? Because the music is kind of quality, but it does have problems. Probably 2 out of 10, it's a word of problems. <laughs> um, I've already said it's a 6. It's uh, The John Lennon comparison is very apt, because it's 4 or 5 really good songs in the middle of a load of self-indulgent shite, which is most of John Lennon's back. <laughs> what do you think of pure comedy? Um, I liked it. Um, it's something that I really didn't like at first... Like, I think I would have been like, oh, it's a four. Like, when I first heard it, I really hated it. And I found that it it rewards kind of repeated visits and kind of spending a lot of time with it and sort of the way in which it builds um, is... It's it's really, really well done. And it's kind of this, like, space opera, nearly, you know, post-apocalyptic. Um, so it's a record that I really didn't like at first. So I'm kind of... I'm interested to see if I spend more time with this, what I'll think of it. Because I would have been way more down on pure comedy when it first came out than I am on this. So maybe in a year I'll be sitting here being like, oh, no, it's actually, you know, it's really seven. Yeah, it's a, it's a seven and a half. <laughs> well, if it climbs similarly to pure comedy, I think then Josh, Josh will be rating it an 11. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Fair enough. Okay, it's time to move into the always lively Songs of the Week. And Josh, you're our guest, so you can pick a number between one and five to start us off, please. Uh, one. It's the internet. No, not the information superhighway, but in fact, a collective known as the internet. The song is called Come Over. That's the internet. Josh, who are the internet and why should we connect to them? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I'm going to drag it out. <sighs> um. <laughs> Drake sigh again. <laughs> um, the internet are, rose to fame as part of the uh, sort of... Odd Future family, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the extended Odd Future family in the sense that they've never really done much with anyone else in the crew, but they are kind of loosely associated with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of really came out, shot to fame to an extent with 2015's Ego Death, which is, while it has gotten a lot more played than their previous work, Purple Naked Ladies and Feel Good, which are both quite good records, um, Ego Death, I think, was one of the most underrated albums of 2015 i thought it was excellent um and it came out at a time when a lot of other really good music was kind of coming out i think it got lost in the shuffle a little bit but um they're a very underrated group and i think this single um is terrific and it'll be interesting to see how it does and if they kind of really break out this year 
It's a sultry, smoky bedroom jam with a radio edit. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. I do not. I like it. I as think well, I prefer yeah. the radio edit actually. Yes, yeah. I yes, got so the radio edit because yeah. they're oh, yeah. terrible for sticking long skits at the end of their songs. Yeah, it's like a minute yeah. and a half. Yeah. So unnecessary. Yeah. And as, and as well, I mean, I think like you know, especially if if you think of a radio edit and you think of sort of like you know just delivering like a good vocal line that's going to jump off the airways or whatever, it's. It's perfect for that because there's like that nice little funk line on the bass and a, a guitar solo that you really don't see coming. Um, so that then really all that Sid has to do is just like kind of just chill out over it. Yeah, and she, and she does, does it very it really well. well. That yeah. smoky kind of voice. Yeah, it's like it's a bedroom song with lyrics about, you know what, we don't even have to have sex. Let's just play Simon Says. Just like a lovely <laughs> sentiment, I think. Um, <laughs> it's all you ever want to hear, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, very kind of funky soul stuff. Reminds me a lot of like Thundercats stuff. Not, maybe not quite as good. Man, I had to write a thing today about like Forbidden Fruit, yeah. uh, which we'll be reporting back from next week, by the way. Really? Uh And I, I had to write like, a quick blurb about Thundercat, and I was like, how do I write this without using yeah. the word funk? Yeah. Like, so I wrote a thing, and I went, uh, especially also for the Joe audience, who you know, I'm like, it's you know, it's Big Ireland, so I don't know, people might not know him. So I was like. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's almost impossible to read anything about Thundercat that doesn't mention the word funk. And I was like, so we'll try not do that now. So eventually I settled on like, so I, I gave myself the out by already putting it in there. See, it was a whole switcheroo, a real, nice. a real, a real maneuver. Nicely done. And oh, I, are these the lessons you need to know? And then I think I, I think I wrapped up by saying, uh, <laughs> smoke drenched groove based adventures. How do you right. drench something smoke in drenched. smoke? <laughs> Thundercat fanned away, my oh, friend. That's how good he is. But yeah, I agree. Yes, and I approve. And I like the <laughs> I like the kind of corny cornball guitar solo as well. Yeah. That was a nice surprise. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, like it's it doesn't reinvent the uh, the bedroom wheel, but uh, at the same time, <laughs> got a wheel in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah, don't you? <laughs> Next to your Frank Ocean vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> bedroom wheels are in, my friend. Yeah, because yeah, it's the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> Cullum, give me a number. Uh, number four, please. It's ASAP Rocky, who dropped a record last week that I didn't listen to. It's called <laughs> Purity, and it has our good friend Frank Ocean along for the ride. Oof, oof, dogs in a place, loose tooth, lost in a freight, roof lost on a rave, roof lost on a way, freeway, no rose, brew force, brew champagne, tell the front desk to cut new keys, reserved in the mercy for two years, the two sweets, took out the bell like it's fuck sleep, I smack a bitch like it's hot hands, fired the label like fuck brands, comfortable low nigga fuck Zans, comfortable slow who the fuck ran, nothing is sweet, nothing in tank, sweet, it's just a tank, pee, salt on a slug, soda on slug, tea, chewing on nothing, so yeah, the album's called Testing, I believe. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, I haven't heard it. How is it? Anyone? You're quite the rap aficionado. <laughs> normally, <laughs> they call me rap caviar. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I gave it one listen, and I don't think it's good. I never yeah, really I'm, got the ASAP Rocky I, I, I thing. gave it one listen, and I thought it was pretty mediocre. Yeah, he doesn't have much to say for himself. He looks like, great three though. Albums in, yeah, stunning, fella. stunning looking man. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I picked this selection because it's a lot of Frank Ocean as opposed to ASAP. Who and actually on this track, to be fair to, ASAP, and it had been like three weeks since we had a Lauren Hill Hill sample. I so, know, you know. My God, people are really getting a lot. <laughs> to play out of that bloody unplugged thing aren't they right. what's um, going on there by the way she's coming over with d- doing the miseducation of yeah yes. she's doing three arena yeah and all these samples suddenly popping up is this a Kevin Bacon situation where he's like the following is the television show I always wanted to do uh, and <laughs> no no you ripped off an impairment scheme as was your wife is it, does Lauren Hill need cash? Because it's like, what's going on? Well, yeah. I, I against approve it, of again. Course, yeah. But, um, yeah, like I think I think that sample and I think Frank's presence brings out the best in ASAP. Frank's on another track as well, where it just feels like he's kind of tacked on. But here, 
Rocky kind of opens up a bit and he has something to say. Like, it opens the door to a bit of vulnerability, which we very rarely see from him. Um, it's a nice kind of weirdly, you know, chopped up pastoral thing. Um, Frank Ocean rapping is great. I mean, he's a better rapper when he wants to be than ASAP Rocky and most people. He just doesn't want to do it too often. It's a nice track. I mean, it doesn't, you know, change the world. It's a nice closer. It's good. Yeah, I think it's quite good, and like, I'm not as down as on ASAP Rocky as it sounds like the rest of the group is. Um, like, I think it's a it's a decent album, and it's the story of kind of his career is that when he's good, he's actually quite quite good. But I don't think he can stay sustain. When he's bad, when he's bad. Yeah, <laughs> he's Ben Kingsley. <laughs> he's quite quite bad. Um, and this is really good because it sounds so much different to to Craig's point. It sounds so much different than the rest of his material that it really sticks out. Yeah. Yeah, but like the thing is, like he tried to make the album sort of introspective, and like you say, kind of look back through his life and career. It's and, a, and just listening through it, it sounds like a bit of a blonde rip off as well. Like he's switching up the vocal. Like there's a lot of nods to blonde. I think. Oh, he was like I mean, he calls it out directly at one point. Like yeah, yeah he's literally talking about like oh, I'm going to plan on blonde, and you're just like, oh, and and you got this idea independently, <laughs> did you? Um, but like, yeah, but the thing is as well, and I mean, look, like, maybe this is fair because I mean, like it's ASAP Rocky, you know, like when he looks back over his life and tries to make a reflective album it ends up coming out insane <laughs> because his life is mental like but um yeah the whole album ends up a little bit restless this song works because it's basically all converged perfectly the idea of him being reflective the idea of frank the kind of king of that sort of music in this genre being there and then yeah lauren hill sample where she's just as down as they are um <laughs> i like it i like it a lot I'm still mad at ASAP Rocky for fucking up that Selena Gomez song, Good For You, from a few years ago, oh, which was go, the man. best song of that Hold year. Hold up, wait a minute, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look good, girl, you know, you look good, don't you? Like, it's so bad. And, and it's the fucking album edit, he's on it. Like, you, you gotta go to YouTube and rip that from YouTube if you want to hear the original and best version of the Selena Gomez song. But hey, you know, like I say, ridiculously beautiful, man. Yeah. Craig, a number, please. Uh, two, please, Dave. It's Maggie Rogers with... All one word, falling water. That's Maggie Rogers. That's Fallen Water. All one word. All one word. Why is it all one word, Craig? Can you can you give us the etymology of this? Because or? the internet came earlier or something. Because like of Pharrell, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think she owes her career to his like shocked reaction when she... This was this video that went kind of viral where um, yeah. Pharrell was teaching the kids and he was listening to tracks that some uh, music students had put together and her one was especially good um, and you know hence a career was born she's um, very good though she is very good um i kind of like this track i mean it's not mind blowing it's fine i don't think that i i like independent elements of it i don't think the drums quite work with what's going on melodically with it as no. well i um, i i I th- think it all fits. I think, okay. like, what she's always had going for her is that she's kind of naturally got that folky electronica thing down. Um, she's got a great voice, and she knows to just leave that over quite pure as well and not start glitching it and chopping it and messing it around. And, yeah, I, I think what 
I enjoyed most about this track is that uh, she actually made it with Rostam. But unlike, say, the Lick Lee track a month ago or whatever, you're not like, oh, yeah, Rostam's fingerprints are all over this. Yeah, I didn't It's like realize. she's actually carved out enough of a niche for herself that you can always picture him doing a Pharrell sitting in the studio going, no, I think you got it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I'll fix a little couple of things up, but otherwise you're good. Sorry, I got really distracted there by a helicopter passing overhead the studio, which reminded me of the uh, 2003 Rock Heel theme. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the best heel theme. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. It's and, and the whole entrance with the... You need the whole... Yeah. Lost everyone right there. <laughs> yeah, this is the conversation. I think, me. <laughs> I, think, I think we lost everyone when we decided to talk about uh, the Charlie XCX Rita Ora <laughs> song. Not you even lost me on that one. Not, not listen to these fuckers. Uh, I like the song. I think it's really cool. I agree with literally everything that was said Josh where do you stand in it uh, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the same as the guys I'm probably not as strong in it I think it's a little bit kind of forgettable I think it's the sort of song that I'll you know because it just came out I'll sort of listen to it for like a couple of weeks I'll stick it on a playlist maybe and then uh, like in a year I'll go oh yeah that's a thing it does feel a bit safe and it's like she's trying to write a certain type of song and she's kind of better than that that would be my it's all, it's all a bit one year later with you isn't it Josh <laughs> it is <laughs> live in the now he's just planning his next appearance on the podcast for episode 162 <laughs> or something long game. Yeah. he's doing a push hey guys there's a new Follow Joe Misty album coming out <laughs> with Metallica uh, Josh one more number please there are two left three and five uh, let's go five. Okay, it's the union that we all have been waiting for. Underworld and Iggy Pop. Ignatius Pop. <laughs> it's called Bells and Circles, and it's quite long. Smoking on the airplane. Everybody did it. They'd gather on the back on the way to Australia and all up, up at once outside the bathroom. And that's why if I had wings... That would be a bad idea, <laughs> I guess, according to everything I've been taught about the laws of ethics and karma and good behavior. <laughs> so, uh, this is a strange one. It's Iggy Pop having a bit of a jolly and discussing what he would do, I guess, if he suddenly became omnipotent and a lot younger and also the invisible man on an airplane where he could chat up stewardesses and... And smoke. And smoke Smoking a lot. on the airplane, he remembers when you used to be able to do that. Can't do that anymore. And you can't chat up the hot stewardess anymore because <laughs> they don't want that. No. So he, I think it's a, you know, back in my day song, is it? With a typical underworld rousing beat and then stuff about wings coming in and some vocals and big break beat it reminds me of like work are they trying to go go for a what is it you must always wear a sunscreen kind of novelty factor of like you just imagine this playing in some tent at a festival well it's not like yeah Tiggy it's fucking novelty that's for sure like I mean I file this next to remember like Cassette Boy you know the chopped up speeches of politicians and straight away you go I guess it's vaguely amusing and then you go God, imagine how long it must take to do this. You couldn't really justify it, could you? And then, and then the third thing you think is, all right, well, I get it now. I'm done. That's done. done. I'm done here. Uh, like, like, I mean, I, I was listening to this song and I was like, oh, my God, it's like eight and a half or nine minutes or something like. At one stage, I just skipped forward 30 seconds because I was like, I'm, I'm missing nothing. Like, E-pop sounds senile. And it's, it's not going to be some, <laughs> like, some, some, like, great middle well, age. The there middle are or lots of moments where he just goes, wow, and laughs to I kind of like, I found him <laughs> in, Keep it all in. It's I gold. found him endearing in it because at the start, like, you're, it doesn't make any sense. It can kind of continues not to make sense. And also, it gets, you know, problematic and stuff. But 
with the way he tells the story where he's then like he remembers taking cocaine and like chatting up to stewardess and he gets her number and he's like oh but I took too much cocaine and I lost the number and it would have been cooler like hanging out with the girl than the cocaine and it's just like it's, he says it in a really endearing way that you're just like oh poor Iggy like lost his <laughs> poor point Iggy. <laughs> poor Iggy. I was immediately reminded of Metallica and Lou Reed oh, yeah. when I heard this <laughs> and can I go on record and say The View is a better song than this and has, is way more charming this is a better song than anything off LCD Sound System's American Dream. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's a bit harsh. I hate that album. And but. now, finally this week, as the rap aficionado in the room, uh, it behooves me to introduce... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Pusha T. You're making push, lots of weird hand push, gestures. Pusha Terrence, man. <laughs> I don't even know what you're trying to do. Are you trying to hold up the show? Pusha T, we talked about him already, so let's, let's let him back it up with some music. Yeah, <laughs> Here he is with... Uh, the opening track of Daytona is called If You Know, You Know. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. You ever been hit with the water weight? Then had to wait. Do you walk away? If you know, you know. When we all clicking like Golden State. And you and your team are the motorcade. If you know, you know. Been granting wishes like a genie. To bad hoes and two-piece bikinis. I've been hiding where you can see me. The stop box is right next to Riri's. Solely responsible for showing rappers how to stand. Heavily requested by at least 50% of the table in front of me. Yeah, and what's more, it kind of brings us nicely to the other listening, because I think we've all given the full album a spin, right? Constantly. Yeah, okay, grand. I'm addicted to it. Yeah? <laughs> it's yeah, great. It's amazing, yeah. yeah. So good. It's exactly what you want from Pusha. It. It's Kanye just doing all the beats. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I think it's very good. I, I, like, I don't know if it's worth all the hype. This song is... This, is the, the, this song is great. This song is good. The kick-in, like... The kick-in yeah. is, kick is I, I, I think the album's probably, <laughs> I think the album's bookended by its strongest track. This is one of the best songs of the year. And also, I, when I listened to it first, I genuinely had this thing where I, I thought, have I got some weird version where, like, they forgot to put in the backing yeah, track? Yeah, yeah, And then, when it comes in, you're like, oh my god! <laughs> it's unbelievably good. Yeah. 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 Well, I, actually, no, it's believably good. <laughs> yeah. Because it's Kanye. I like yeah, his, I like his kind of staccato delivery as well. Like, it, it, especially, as you said, when he's got no beat and you're just like, God, he's taking his time here, isn't he? <laughs> Genuinely, like, but it, it's nice. It actually lets it flow and it lets, it's almost like there's a story unfolding, so to speak. But I think people, like, this wasn't hugely hyped in terms of all the uh, good music kind of rollouts and stuff. People forget how amazing Pusha is. That's right. Like, his last mm. couple albums, okay, there's problems with some of his beat selections or sometimes he has too many features or blah, blah, blah. But he, lyrically, he's always amazing. Yeah. Specifically at that, like, he's just a master at that kind of drug storytelling, obviously. It's just him and Jay out there on their own. He's like he's in that you know upper tier of rappers. He's insane. So he just needed something really concise, really unfussy, just hard hitting beats. And Kanye doing them all is fantastic. So it's yeah, it's exactly the vehicle he needed. What was interesting about that is that like, he was on Hot 97, I think, with Ebert Arden um, the other day, and he was discussing the album. And apparently, he was being asked like, "Why is the album so short?" And he was basically like, "Ask Kanye." Um, because he did apparently to your point of some of his previous work which is mostly excellent but it can be a bit distracted and a bit yeah. kind of loses its way down a stretch or whatever um, it was apparently Kanye basically forced him into making this album the way that he made it and he then realised once it was actually done how good of a decision that was sure. um, I think this is yeah it's a great song like it is definitely the song of the week to throw into his uh, credits as well did he? Is this true? 
did he write the McDonald's I'm loving it jingle? What? What? Have you never heard this? Apparently, Pusha T was responsible for that. The jingle? Yeah. He He doesn't even write He played Forbidden Fruit two years ago, and just before I went, I heard this story, and I was just like, no way. No way. And I I literally just sat there watching him and Kilmainham going... I, I'm i more interested to know if that's actually true than watching this set right now. It gets now. debated quite a lot. I think no one really knows for sure. He's got that McDonald's He money. probably knows. <laughs> 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 Sorry, uh, uh, breaking... He's ni- pushing Big Macs. <laughs> breaking 1975 news. Oh, oh okay. they've got a song. Yeah, we know that. Well, uh, the singer has said that they're working on two albums. Right. And if you will recall, I think, Josh, you reviewed it for Headstuff. The last album they put out had a very cumbersome title. I believe believe it was I Like It When You Sleep For You Are So Beautiful Yet So Unaware Of It. Yeah. So the two albums they're apparently working on are called, respectively, A Brief Inquiry Into Online Relationships. Yeah, that one was advertised. And then I think May next year we're dropping Notes on a Conditional Form. Fair enough. (laughs) I mean... There have been bands that have basically built a reputation on extravagant titling before, so, uh, yeah, best of luck with him with that. He's still a good interview, though. If he's knocking about, I'll talk to him again. Delighted with that. (laughs) (laughs) The other listening corner, I uh, haven't really listened to much because I've been very busy, Mm. and I, yeah, I just haven't had a chance to properly get on board. There's a new weird song that Grimes features on. By an artist whose name I'm forgetting. It's like K-pop lo- shit. Looney yeah. or Luna yeah. or something. It's K-pop. I think I like it. I think I like it. Uh, yeah. It's re- like it sounds, and like, I'm sure this is like, I'm sure any fans in the room of either K-pop or anime would be like, Jesus, Dave, what are you doing? But all I'll say is, I could see it over the credits of an anime thing. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't I don't have much fucking, I don't know much about K-pop. <laughs> Hello, I'm ignorant. Hello, my name is Ignorant Hannity. And I'm not kidding when I say that as I left the house this evening, my fiance is watching a documentary on K-pop. So presumably I'll be able to fill you in later. <laughs> Did you hear that, everyone? Cullen has a fiance. Due to be wed. <laughs> two yeah. weddings. Two weddings. <laughs> over um, an hour into the show, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I gave the new Parquet Courts album a spin. Uh, it's called Wide Awake. If you heard the lead single, you'd know it was a little mad and sounded like they were having a lovely time. And that's the album as a whole, really. They seem to have cut loose. Um, so stylistically, it, it's a little bit all over the place occasionally. But they've got a great knack for throwing like really, really clever lyrics into just like these wild punk songs. Mm. Or indeed, you know, kind of like making these like epic rock songs, but like with really rather poignant uh, stuff behind them. Like, there's a song about his mother, and it's just still called Freebird 2. Hmm. And it, cause it actually sounds a bit like Freebird, the original. Um, but it's still really nice about his mom. And, uh, yeah, like, it, it's fun to listen to, and it's also fun to actually, like, listen to a few times and realise that there's some depth there. So, uh, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I've been, I've given a few spins to Gaz Coombs' new one, uh, World's Strongest Man. Um, it's very strong. I haven't sung too much into it as yet, but... Um, yeah, the songs are great and kind of his most eclectic solo stuff yeah. yet. So that's interesting. And also I gave a spin to Drake's I'm Upset single, which is dreadful. Oh, <laughs> I kind of like it. Really? It's the most basic Playboy party beat of all time. <laughs> I love the fact he finally released a song called I'm Upset. It's like <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. He finally got to the point. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I'll like listen to basically anything Drake's ever brought out and everything that like people are like oh how can you let it? he's unbearable he's just moaning and I'm like yeah no this is un- I'm, right. here. I'm here for the moaning, <laughs> yeah, here for the moaning. <laughs> but what have you been listening to in your non-Drake um, capacity? capacity probably the only new thing that we didn't discuss today um, was the new Beach House 
um, oh, yeah. which is actually very, very good. Oh, um, seven. Is that what it's called? Seven, yeah. Got like really big reviews, and I found myself being like, this must be amazing. And in the end, it was fine. I think it's a, like how many times did you listen to it? Twice. Yeah, I, I think like I've, I've kind of listened to it six or seven, seven. times now. Seven. Um, yeah, once you hit that seven, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah the seven. clue the clue was there for you, Dave. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I think it will reward and does reward uh, repeated listenings. Can like you work with that album? As in, like, literally do some work with the album. I found it to be very like you know, I kind of got to step outside of myself. I want to get into this record. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, I have actually worked to the record. Um, and again, because it's you can sort of get lost in it, it's very easy to just kind of have it on in the background and it creates that. Can I ask, does that months. make it different, much different to the other six? <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm not that big of a Beach House fan in okay. general because this was so critically acclaimed, I decided to go give it a go. The mm. only other song I know of theirs is the one that The Weeknd sampled. Uh, it was on the, the end of an episode of... Uh, Master of None. Yeah, 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 it's called Master of None. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The weekend one was... Uh, I should know this. Why don't I know this? It's the party in the after party? No, it's on not. The spot. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It's my weekend knowledge. Coming back! <laughs> Good job, Dave. <laughs> okay, uh, Josh, we'll have you come back again uh, at some point, of course. Of course, hopefully. Thanks yeah, very thanks much for coming in, Josh. <laughs> We'll meet you in the group chat, all right? <laughs> That's the show for this week. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Cole. Thank you. It's Thanks, good brother. to be back. Back next week. Uh, are you in next week, No, Craig? I'm not. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> My last one, and then I'm done with college. Do you want to apologize hey. to the listeners? Because you, know, you know what's great? You know, no, no, do you know what's great? Craig was giving me the big one. And he was like, huh, I think if you go back, you'll find that I'm actually not off that many episodes. Yeah. Smash cuts are <laughs> missing two weeks. Two weeks, <laughs> and then you're off next week as well. Yeah, yeah. But then... My, my reign of terror is over. Well, Colm and I are hitting up Forbidden Fruit. We are. And smashing Sun that festival hiatus wide open. Yeah. We're going to go. It's going to be good. And we'll be talking about that next week. Exciting times. And to close us out this week, New Irish music as always, uh, there's a band called, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. It's Gallants. It's Gallants, not Gallants. No? Gallants. They're a Dublin Shoegaze band. We played them on the show before, and they released a new single called In Vain. It's pretty much out today, as of this podcast dropping. It's the first track taken from the new EP called Follow, and they describe themselves as a bit of a sonic blend between Ride and the Jesus and Mary Chain. The song is informed by themes of social contradiction, disparity, and introspection, three of my favourite things, musing on the importance of remembering what really matters, family, not one of my favourite things, friends, yeah, that, more into that, and the people that we love. Oh. Alrighty. That's good. I like the track. It's called In Vain and it sounds like this. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Goodbye, microphone.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.